Hello, and welcome to this podcast. In case this is the first one that you're listening to, I'm going to give you a short introduction. I'm Cindy Pierce, and over a year ago, I started a home Bible study about the women of the Bible. Each week was about one or possibly two women, and I read her story out of the Bible and interjected some thoughts and facts about the story. Then after the reading, I would recap her story, talk about the woman and some of her characteristics, and how it could apply to us today. I really enjoyed doing the teachings and I was so excited about them that soon other women that I worked with wanted to participate. Before I knew it, I not only had the home Bible study, but I was also doing three different lunchtime Bible studies at different offices. So with the encouragement of some of those groups, I was going to put these lessons on this podcast. I'm using the same format. I will read the story straight out of the Bible with some thoughts. I use the New American Standard simply because that's what I grew up reading. Then I will recap and talk a little bit about the story, and at the very end I will give a little reminder from the lesson on something that we can praise God for, something to thank Him for, something for us to confess, and something to ask from God. One of the things I loved about this process is that God's Word says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the child of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So I believe that as you listen or study along with me, that God will speak to your heart. I hope you will enjoy this as much as I have. This is the second podcast. If you missed the first, it's about Eve, and you can listen to that as well. The second one is about Sarai. Let's get started. The story of Sarai starts in Genesis 11, Verse 29, and it's um, talking about her family. It says in 29, And Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Um, So chapter 12, verse 1 is where the Lord actually speaks to Abram. And he says, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God calls Abram to come out from where he's um, stayed and to go to a place that he's going to show him. So he's basically just following the voice of the Lord, not really knowing where he's going, but that's quite a blessing that comes with it. And notice in verse 3, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, is speaking into the future, into future generations. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his nephew, and all their possessions, possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was then living in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, 
to your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there, there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here we see um, him building an altar um, to the Lord, and he recognizes that it is God who's speaking to him. In verse 8, he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Now there was famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and it will come about when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. So here we have Abram going through Egypt and he is fearful and he's um, fearful for his life. So he's asking her to tell them that she is his sister and not his wife. In verse 14, it came about that when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful and Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake, and gave him sheep and oxen, donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. In verse 17, the Lord sticks up for him, and the Lord strikes Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. So this is um, an interesting story, both because Abram, you know, told her to say that she wasn't his wife and that he was fearful of what would happen, but also because Pharaoh apparently knew where the plagues came from and what that meant and then gave uh, her back and told them to leave. Also just notice that she was so beautiful. Um, not only did Abram obviously think she was beautiful, but for them to go into Egypt and it be reported to Pharaoh how beautiful she was. So this story is interesting because um, we're gonna see a little bit later that um, a similar thing happens. And one of the things that I love about the stories that we're reading in the Bible is how like real life they are. They're, they're real stories. And, um, you know, some of them have been made into movies, but they certainly could be because they just touch on all the parts of, of humanity. So we're going to keep going in Genesis 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife, and all that belonged to him, and lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So he um, has been sent on his way, and we're going to skip down because there are some stories in the middle of this that are about Abram and Lot and other nations around them, but our focus is on Sarah. So we're actually going to skip over to Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O oh Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. 
Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then verse 6 is so important because Abram says, or, or it says, And then he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. So we see in this verse that this promise that God has now given him, um, reiterated a couple of times, that at this point, Abram believes him and he uh, receives that promise. Um, so we're going to skip again because there's another part here about um, Abram and the covenant. We're going to jump down to Genesis 16, 1 through 6. Uh, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So I always wonder here if Abram told her about chapter 15. Did he tell her that God had been speaking to him and what God had promised him and what God had said would come? Because um, if he had, then either she doesn't believe it or she's going to take matters into her own hand or um, she just doesn't believe it for herself. So notice in verse chapter 16, verse 1, she has an Egyptian maid. So this um, servant, this maid that she has, came from the time where they were in Pharaoh's court, and he gave them all of the livestock and servants and um, the things that happened there. That's where, that's where Hagar came from. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between me, between you and me. So this is interesting because she told him to take the maid and take her. And then when the outcome um, was not as she wanted, then she told Abram that, that it was um, his fault. And Sarai, um, verse 6, Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power due to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by a spring on the way to Shur. So we're going to stop there as well because that next part of the story is Hagar's story. And um, we're going to continue on with Sarah. So we're going to go to chapter 17, verses one, verse 1. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Um, and I love that the Hebrew word there is El Shaddai. Uh, walk before me and be blameless, and I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, and I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. So in verse 3, um, Abram fell on his face to worship God, and I love that it just says, and God talked with him, um, because God still just talks with us. So I just love the um, familiarity with that, that, God, that it, just, it just says that God talked with him. And then also, 
uh, very important verse in verse 5 because his name was changed. So originally the name was Abram, and he changed it to Abraham. So um, it, it, Abram meant exalted father, and Abraham meant father of a multitude. So I just think, and I'll mention this again later, but I just think that that is so amazing because that means that ever after this verse, as everyone learned his changed name, every time they called him, uh, Abraham, we need more camels. Abraham, we need to move. Abraham, I need some water. Whatever they asked him, every person that called his name literally was saying, father of many nations, father of multitudes, father of many nations, every time they called him. And so they spoke out that name and it just um, was spoken over and over again. And he heard that over and over again. So in verse six, he says, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come forth from you. So um, I'm going to read two more verses. And seven, he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So that's God's um, promise to him. And we're going to skip down to verse 15 because Sarai comes back into play now. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. So he switched it from S-A-R-A-I to S-A-R-A-H. And I will bless her, and indeed, I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Uh, so Ishmael was Hagar's son. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Um, and the word Isaac means he laughs. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you, and behold, I will bless him. I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly, and he shall become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. So notice because of Sarah's mistake um, and Sarah being impatient and um, giving Abram her maid that Ishmael is born and he uh, ends up being the father of 12 princes as eventually does Isaac. And how interesting it is that even to this day, um, the, the problems that created between those two nations and between those two people. <clears throat> so we're going to go now to Genesis 18, uh, verse 1. So the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. So Abram knew these were very important visitors. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. 
So in verse 6, Abraham hurries to the tent to Sarah and says, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. So he runs to her and says, Okay, I told him I would give him bread. Quick, make some bread. And he also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them, and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. And then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Verse 14, Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. So we see some interesting characteristics of Sarah here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, well, let me just mention this. So in verse um, 17, when God first told Abraham and he fell on his face, it literally says the word laughed there as well. But, you know, the word laughed is funny because there's a lot of different ways to laugh. We can laugh for joy. We can laugh sarcastically. We can laugh in doubt. There, there's so many ways to laugh. And you know when you hear the, hear the person laughing, most of the time you know how they're laughing. But it's hard to put that in words because we can't hear them. So we have to go with the context. So in verse 17, when it says, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man who is old? Um, and he brought up Ishmael. That laughter, God didn't say anything about. So that laughter um, was in joy. He marveled at it. He, he didn't know how it was going to happen, but he believed. And we know that he believed because we already read in the verse before in the other chapter that he believed in the Lord and the promise and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So he believes that God's going to do it. His laughter was one of just um, surprise and marvel and excitement at that. Sarah, however, when Sarah laughs um, in verse 12 of chapter 18, Sarah laughed to herself, to herself saying, after I've become old. So she, her laughter was that doubt, that kind of sarcastic laughter of uh, how can this be? So hers, um, because the Lord called it out and brings up in the next verse, why did she laugh? That was a different kind of laugh. So the word is the same, but it's different in that context. Um, so also, so we're going to jump down now to, um, you did laugh. So the men rose from there and, um, they leave. So we're going to skip down farther. We're going to go down to Genesis 20, um, verse one. Now Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev again. So they've left, um, they're headed back toward Egypt and settled between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So he's still afraid, still after all the promises from God and after um, all the talking to God, he's still not sure that God can take care of him and he's still afraid. So he, uh, Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream 
of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. And Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay a nation even though blameless? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech arose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all the things in their hearing, and the men were greatly frightened. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So there's an interesting little excuse that he puts in there too. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is the kindness which you will show to me everywhere we go. Say of me, he is my brother. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen, male and female servants, and gave them to Abraham and restored his wife Sarah to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. And to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication before all who... Are with you and before all men that you are cleared. So that was his way of saying um, that she that nothing was done wrong, that she was vindicated of um, of what took place. And Abraham, uh, let me stop at sixteen for a second. So this is just such an interesting story because even though Abraham was learning about God and talking to Him and learning about His promises and covenant, he's still afraid. He still didn't trust God, but God had to protect that promise. He's going to protect that line through which Jesus is going to come. So um, he literally now has spoken to two kings and not let them touch her. But can you imagine how beautiful Sarah must have been now? Um, this is two different like kings of countries that have seen her and um, wanted to take her for their wives. So she was just um, beautiful. So then it says in verse... 17 of chapter 20. And Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maid so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Abram turned around and prayed for them so that they were healed and, and um, their, their wombs were open. And notice, because in the Old Testament, there are chapter markers for us to know when a new chapter starts and to be able to break that apart. But notice what happens very next in the chapter 21, verse 1. As soon as Abraham has prayed for this other family for their um, barrenness and for their wombs to be open, verse 1 of 21, then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So he prayed for someone in the exact area that they needed God's blessing and God turned around and blessed them in that area in the very next verse. So the Lord took note of Sarah and did as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. 
And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded to him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. So notice now in verse 6, they named their son uh, Isaac, which meant laughter. And she's literally saying, God has made laughter, not the kind she did, but, but laughter for me. And everyone that hears will laugh. And that is that joyful laugh of having a promise fulfilled and having a desire of your heart after so long um, being fulfilled. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Um, so back to the verses, anything too difficult for the Lord? Because um, it's not. Um, so there is, let's keep going a little bit in 20. So verse 9, now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be heir with my son Isaac. So now she has a problem because both boys are living um, in the same household. And the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac your descendant shall be named. And of the son of the maid, I will make a nation also, because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So as I said earlier, um, that ended up becoming nations that still struggle today um, in, in dealing with each other. Um, so we're now going to go to, there's just two other little verses about Sarah. Genesis 23, 1 and 2. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abram, Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Um, and then in 19 and 20 of that same place, same chapter. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth. Um, and then in chapter 25, Abraham ends up being buried there with her. So um, there's several things that we just kind of want to review. That's kind of the end of the parts about her. So let's just kind of um, walk through Sarah's story a little bit. Um, so for her life, she left her family and followed Abraham, Abram at the time. And God promised Abraham um, that he would be a blessing and be a great nation. And then they went to Egypt and had the um, episode with Pharaoh. Then God promised again. And at that point, Abraham believed. And then Sarah sent in Hagar because she was impatient and thought that she could um, make that promise come about the way she wanted it to. And then also she dealt harshly with, with Hagar. Then God promises again, and this time he changes their names. Um, then God sends the messengers and promises, and at that point Sarah laughed and tried to cover up the fact that she laughed. Then they went to Gerar and had another king with almost the same episode as the first time. And then Sarah had a son and ended up sending Hagar away. So that's 
Um, one of the interesting things that we talked about a little bit is the name change, um, because I just think that was so important. There's so many chapters and verses in the Bible that talk about our names. Isaiah 43, 1 says, I've called you by name, you are mine. And Isaiah 49, 15 says, I will not forget you. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. That's God speaking and talking about that he remembers us by name. So we talked about how Abram meant father and Abraham meant the father of a multitude and that he was called that consistently. Um, but Sarah, I meant my princess. And I looked up Sarah fully expecting it to mean, you know, something like mother of a multitude or mother of many nations. And actually the word Sarah um, just means princess without the my in front of it. So her name was changed from my princess being just Abraham's to princess and being in the end a mother of um, king that kings should come out of. So um, also, I, I read a little bit about that, and it's interesting that both names got changed by adding A-H into it, the two letters A and H, which was part of the name of God. So that was kind of another interesting fact that I read about that. Um, and then also, Isaac got, called, uh, got named Isaac, which meant he laughs, um, which is interesting after us talking about the different forms of laugh laughter that occurred. So if we look at Sarah, we see that as with Eve, she's not perfect. Um, she had some characteristics. She left her family and stayed with Abraham and went to a place that they weren't sure where they were going. Um, she had the gift of hospitality. She um, baked bread and was hospitable to the strangers when they came in. She definitely, um, on the other side, was impatient and self-reliant and you know wanted to fix things herself, which we can say is not just Sarah, that all of us um, probably struggle with that at times. We tend to like to fix things. We like to fix things ourselves and we like to fix them right now. So if we're not careful and we don't wait on God for him to um, bring about the promises that he said and we try to do it ourselves, in her case there was a huge consequence and um, that ended up being the two nations that are still fighting against each other. In our case, um, it can also have huge consequences. So we need to learn to wait on the Lord. And there's a lot of verses also about waiting on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits on his word and I put my hope in him. So just learning to wait um, and, let God, and let God finish what his plans are. Also, God plants dreams in your heart. You know, she wanted to have a baby and they went through a lot to get there but you know I believe that he plants dreams in all of our hearts and um, her name um, was changed to mean princess and I love how that correlates with us because we're children of God which makes us a daughter of the king of kings and in that we are also princesses because we're because we are children of the king and so um, all of us could be called Sarah because we're all princesses and we need to remember that. Um, and that he's, you know, that he's our, he's our father and he's the king. So in spite of her frailties and insecurities and anger and blame and all the um, characteristics that we saw in her story, even so, God used her to birth his promise, his people, and his purpose and I love that in Hebrews 11, 11, 
we see that Sarah also came to believe because in Hebrews 11, 11, which is the faith chapter, she's listed there. And um, it says, By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So we see in Hebrews 11 that even though she laughed at that point, and even though um, you know she tried to do it on her own first, and, and um, she kind of scoffed about it, Hebrews 11 says that she came to believe. And so I love that. I love that later in the Bible, God tells us that she actually uh, believed his promise. Um, so what a beautiful end to her story because she is listed in, then in the New Testament. Um, and that is, is what have, is said of her later. So I just, I love that. I love that God, um, through the writing of his word in the New Testament, wraps up her story with that verse. Uh, so that brings us to the end of her story. It was um, a kind of a longer one. There's a lot of verses in there about her. Um, I hope that that kind of um, brought her story to life for you. And at the end uh, here, I'm just going to um, touch on some things out of the story that we can praise God for. So first, we can praise him that he keeps his promises, because even though they had to wait and it felt like a long time went by and they went through a lot, he kept his promise to her. And in the end, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac and he promised them that um and them all the families of the earth would be blessed. So as we move along through the Bible and through the different women in the Bible, we will see that that light, that line that went through these families um, that eventually would bring Jesus to the world um, is, is God protected that. And that was who that promise was going to come through. And he is prophetically and um, carefully setting up uh, how Jesus is going to enter the world because his heart is to redeem his people and for us to become um, his children um, and his his princes and princesses. So uh, we praise him that he keeps his promises. We're thankful that he has a plan and that we can just wait because he will bring his, his plan to pass. Um, also, we can confess that we have anxiety and impatience and self-reliance and we want to fix things and do things ourselves. So that would be our confession out of this story. And then lastly, that we can ask God to help us to wait, help us to wait on him because his plan is good and He, um, his plans for us are good and he wants the best for us. So thank you for listening to the story of Sarah. This was the second podcast and uh, stay tuned for more. Thank you.